You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. And then we'll be uh, diving right into the text. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can open and put your finger in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. That's our text for today. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, there is a hardback black one in the prayer room. Uh, You can grab that. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, just take it with you. That's our gift to you today. I want you to be having a Bible and be going along through the text with us um, as we study it together. we got three announcements, and they're kind of big announcements, so I've also set up a new information table down here on the front row of the chairs. That's how much stuff is going on. So uh, if you missed out on any emails, I've made copies of everything, and you can get it right here uh, at the front of the church after church. Uh, first announcement, there is, we're doing a Big Sioux Coupon Book fundraiser for the Adoption Fund. Eric and Kara DeHaan are adopting from Burundi. We want to be behind them, support them in every way we can. And one of the biggest things with adoptions is just supporting financially. It's just a huge cost factor involved. And so um, we have this opportunity to, to either buy books ourselves, coupon books, or sell them. So like if you know a few friends, uh, take a couple with you. They're $42 each, and $10 of, of that 42 goes directly to our adoption fund. For every 20 books we sell, we get an extra 35 bucks. So, I mean, this is something that can add up quickly. A lot of people are going to buy them already. It's September. It's the new year. So this is the, the normal price, $42. The only difference is they're giving us 10 bucks of the profits. So it's a pretty cool deal. Uh, if you take a book, please sign up. They're out on the info table right there in the lobby. And um, then we'll get going on that. Uh, second announcement, the discipleship retreat. Many of you have been asking about it. We're so excited we get to go together this coming weekend out to Inspiration Hills and just talk nothing but discipleship. We're just thrilled about it. Could not be more pumped up for this weekend. Um, I sent out an email explaining all the different things about what you should bring and what you don't need to have and those kinds of things. If, you don't, if you're not a person that does email, no sweat. I've got the exact email right up here. They're like six, six bullet points. You can pick that up after church, and you'll have everything that you need to know. If there are additional questions that pop up, feel free to email me, call me, um, whatever. But we're going to be meeting out at Inspiration Hills 6 p.m. this Friday, and it's going to be a great weekend um, with God and each other. Uh, one, one kind of side note for that, we had our child care back out for Friday night of the retreat, and we're working frantically on that. Um, if you know people who are uh, adults, and they're really responsible, and they're Christians, and they're trustworthy, we would like to talk to them, if they, if they do child care, that is. We'd like to talk to them. I know you know plenty of responsible adults, but people <laughs> that do child care, we need to talk to them. We pay, uh, we pay well for child care. We just don't want life church members to have to miss out on things. And so oftentimes uh, there's an event or even with supper clubs as we're going along, we want our adults to be able to be a part of what's going on and so we, we invest money into child care for our kids so that the adults can be discipled. We believe that parents are the biggest disciplers of their kids. The church has a very small role in that. Parents have a huge role in that. So you're the primary influence. We are a much, much uh, more secondary influence. So we want to disciple parents. We're discipling the kids Sunday mornings. But um, our priority is to keep our parents engaged and keep them in, in uh, roles where they can be effective disciple makers in their home. So if you know people that can do child care for us, we want to talk to them. Um, so come see me afterwards if you have info about that. 
And then finally, supper clubs. We launched this past week, uh, Wednesday night, with the first supper club. And what an awesome night we had. I mean, it was just a ton of fun. The food was pretty decent. Um, and that's because I bought it all from Costco, honestly. Uh, we didn't, nothing was homemade, but it was pretty decent. And the fellowship was just great. Heard lots of people praying for each other, lots of people opening up, um, and just, just working at following Jesus together. Now, one of the things we realized from this past Wednesday is that we have a lot of kids, and we are just so thankful for that. But we're going to have to have a more organized program for kids on Wednesday night. So we've begun working on that. That was the second email that I sent out this week to you parents of kids who are bringing your kids to supper, supper club. We want you to keep doing that. We're going to provide child care for that. Um, but there's going to be a little bit of a program, a little bit more order involved now. And we're going to try to bring that um, to a place of more impact spiritually for those kids. So we're not just, not just entertaining them, but we're actually building in some pieces into their spiritual growth as well on Wednesday nights. Um, and so that'll be kind of a patient process as we go along. But um, you can get that email and all those details as well. If you'd like a schedule of sort of our meetings, our, our outline for our meetings going forward this year, uh, that's also up here as well on the, on the front row if you'd like that. And then just a little teaser, um, there's some, I've, I've actually put into our schedule some of the big events that we already have planned. Uh, just a little teaser, the Hitchcocks are doing a Q&A in two weeks, so thank you Dr. Christina Hitchcock and Nathan Hitchcock. They're doing Q&A in two weeks, uh, so not this coming or next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. But we're also going to be launching into a book study that's going to happen once a month. Under Our Skin by Benjamin Watson. It's, a, it's called Getting Real About Race, and Dr. Robin Duncan's going to lead us in some really good discussions on that. So if you want to get started, if you want to have a little jump start on those discussions, get the book off Amazon. It's like 10 bucks, and it's a great read. Um, I think those are all the announcements. Um, so let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Where the Apostle Paul writes, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also ascended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's word. 
Thank you, Pastor Dave. As I was preparing for this message today and uh, going through this passage and just sort of like looking at all that's there and all that I want to say to you, uh, and you know, when I say all I want to say to you, it far exceeds any passage of scripture. I just always have so much I want to say to you, you know, and I am the proverbial bunny trail guy. You know, I've got a million other things I don't even know yet that I want to say to you, but when I start preaching, they sort of like come out and all of you go, oh, there he goes again, you know, so there's just so much. And, uh, and then thinking about membership Sunday and, and taking in members and thinking about David giving announcements, which are a lot, uh, you know, it's already 10.54, and uh, I'm never going to get through this today. That's the reality. So uh, already this morning, I was, I was, David, I'm going to do this, this sermon in two Sundays, all right? I'm taking two Sundays for this one. So next Sunday, you're going to get the finale of what I'm starting with you this morning. We're talking about the body. We're talking about the body of Christ. We're talking about being a church, those kinds of things. And there's just so much there to look at and to talk about and parse out. So I'm going to take two Sundays to do that. After that, uh, this year is uh, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And for some of you, that is a huge, huge deal. For others of you, you're probably going, what is that? Uh, we'll help you, all right? Uh, but it is a big deal. It's a huge, huge deal. And uh, so we're going to do a four-part series. Myself, Pastor Dave, and uh, Dr. Nathan Hitchcock, together we're going to do a four-part series. So after this coming Sunday, the next four Sundays after that, that's what the series is going to be. It'll go through into the first Sunday in November. After that, I have no idea what we will be doing, okay? Uh, but we will do something. It will be good. It will be spirit-led. It will be biblical, uh, and God will be all over it, okay? So that just gives you a little bit of a sense of where we are going here, okay? Now, let's go back into this passage that David just read for you. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 just a little bit this morning. Now, uh, backing up behind that in chapters 1 through 3, Paul outlined the blessings that are associated with being a child of God, what you receive, how you are blessed by being uh, one of God's children. Uh, and I think it's so important for us to understand this vocabulary that, that the scriptures use of us as a family. Uh, there's so much in the scriptures, in the New Testament in particular, uh, about us as the church, but it's very much about us as a family. Uh, and so I want you to kind of hold on to that, all right? But as God's son, as God's daughter, okay, there's, there's so many blessings that's just associated with that identity in that place, all right? And then in chapters 4 through 6 here, uh, he, he outlines the responsibilities that are associated with that status, that identity that we have as sons and daughters of, of, of God, all right? And, and so we look at this now and we begin to understand uh, the gravity of what we are called to as children of God. You know? And so when we talk about being children of God, uh, we, we kind of stay with that and we enjoy that on like a really like spiritual intimacy level. I'm just, I'm just God's little boy and he's just my Abba, he's my daddy and I just need to crawl up in his lap. And I've done that, okay? And, and it's been very legit, okay? But God is calling you and I to mature. He's calling us to grow. And, and even though I am uh, 63 years old uh, this year, I, I am still a son, all right? But there was a point in my life where the son became a father, 
You know, there's points where, yeah, we can identify with being a son. And yesterday I, I was in the office and I was cleaning up in the office because a couple of people have come by and taken note that our office is quite messy. With those of you who have said that or thought that, would you just go by today and just like peep in so you can see the work from yesterday, all right? But I went through, I pulled open a drawer and there was like a ton of birthday cards. Some of you, I'm going to get even with you, uh, <laughs> Especially those of you who gave me birthday cards with cats and dogs on them, okay? Uh, but I went back and saw those, all right? But in the midst of all of that, that, like a big bundle of cards that I have saved, which, sorry, but I did get rid of yesterday, um, I, a card literally dropped out of the bundle and, and just like, like landed on the table, and I looked at it, and it was a birthday card, and there was a picture of me that had been pasted on the front of the birthday card when I was about seven years old, all right? My neck was about that big around, you know, just a skinny, skinny little kid. Um, but it said uh, on, on the card um, that, that you're loved, you're special, you're unique, all right? You're, and and, and I, I'm like, where did this come from, and who had that picture? And it was like one of those little pictures you do in a booth, you know, where you get like five or something, and they're just all weird pictures, you know? And I open it up, and there was this wonderful paragraph that was written about me as a son, and it was from my mom. I hadn't gotten in touch with that world for a long time, and there I was. Like, there it was. I am a son. And I obviously didn't want to look at all of that at that moment because I was busy. But I went back to the reality that, God, thank you. Thank you that you, you, just, you just got me kind of a little bit in touch with that sense of being a son. And I, I like that right now because I want to I say to everybody tomorrow that you are sons and daughters of the living God. And he has lavished his love on you as sons and daughters. But we're going to learn something from this passage that we're going to be in here for a couple of days. And that is this. We are called to grow up into maturity in Christ. And that is what the body is to be. We are to be a mature body. We are to, to function out of that maturity, okay? And so while on earth, Christ, he personally guided his disciples. He spoke into their lives. He shaped them and, and molded them. But then it says that after his ascension, he gave gifts to men. He, he did not leave us without. He did not leave us in deficits, all right? But, but he gave gifts, if you will, himself to, to us as the church, all right? And, and here's what we need to understand. The church would grow, all right? And it did grow. It is growing now. It's not growing by wealth. It's not growing by the astuteness of us as members. But it's growing by a spiritual means, it's growing by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the earth. It's growing by Christ being represented and being exalted and lifted up and being uh, followed and being conformed to in image and likeness as we take captive our thoughts and tear them down and we take on the image and the very nature of Jesus. We begin to conform, and as we conform, we become the shape of what Christ intends for the church to be. 
See, the church isn't planted, wasn't planted by human wisdom. Uh, It it wasn't brought into existence by by human will, all right? It's not ruled by human authority. This is a spiritual work. This is something that God has ordained from the foundations of the world, and it is His. And He has provided it through a tremendous gift and a tremendous sacrifice, and that is His Son, Jesus Christ. So when we look at this and we talk about the church, the word church does not simply refer to to some organized unit of any particular religion or group, all right? Church doesn't fundamentally mean a building of some kind. Uh, That's only in a secondary kind of sense, all right? This is a building. We bought this building just about a year ago, and here we are sitting in here fully functioning as God's church in this particular building, all right? But the building is where the, the church meets. It's the, as the old Puritans would say, it's the meeting house. It's the place you go to, all right? And there you meet with one another in the house, and you meet with the Lord in the house together, all right? Mark Dever says this about the church. He says, The church is primarily a body of people who profess and give evidence that they have been saved by God's grace alone, for His glory alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen. That's the church. That's what we have. That, that's, that's who we are. And so I think that, that Paul speaks to this here in this place in Ephesians, and he begins here in chapter 4 by saying, therefore, to all of this that already he's written in the first three chapters and more, he is saying here, as a prisoner of the Lord, he says, I want to urge you. In other words, I want to I push in on you. I want to I try to convince you here that you walk in a manner that is worthy of a calling. That is a calling that that you have been given, all right? And you do that in a particular spirit, if you will, in a particular way and manner. It should be evidence that this calling is upon you by the way you are carrying yourself or the way you are walking, if you will, all right? And, And he uses words like humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love and being eager to be unified, to maintain that unity uh, through a spirit of peace. These are things that God is asking of you and He's asking of me that as we come together, that these are evidenced in our relating to one another, in the way we we deal with each other and work with each other and relate to each other. He begins by saying, as a prisoner, as a prisoner of the Lord. This is probably not just that He's been captured by God as we like to, to see ourselves but he literally is probably preaching from a prison. He later on in this, this book refers to himself as an ambassador in chains. And so he is probably in an adverse place. And wouldn't you know that, that someone who is, is locked away and, and not able to be with and in fellowship with others who are in the body, that there would be, be kind of a unique sense and, and an awesome awareness, if you will, of, wow, I am missing something that is vital to me. I am not connected. I am not engaged. I am not in the relationship with all of my family here because I am in bonds. It is for the gospel. And, and, and Paul did not, like, uh, resent that at all. 
But what he's saying is here, even though I'm in prison, even though I'm in chains for the sake of the gospel, even though I'm in this place outside of this, I'm very aware that there is something unique and dynamic about the church and about relationship with one another. And I miss that. I believe Paul is longing for something here as he is talking to the church and as he becomes aware of this, this like lack, this, this deficit, this longing, this absence in his life. I think he says, I need to pin something. I need to talk to some of God's people about this. I need to be able to say some things here. And so he writes these, these very challenging passages to us, all right? And so I want us to kind of like parse a little bit of this out, urge you. I, I, I'm intent. I, w- I want you to understand that, that there is a walk here, a manner of, of living that you need to live out in your life. And really what he's talking about here in this passage, if you go back and, and look through some of the words and some of the languages, that he's really saying, hey, there's an invitation to you here, all right? I want you to walk worthy of the invitation, I want you to walk worthy of what the Father has reached out to you and drawn you into. This isn't you out there doing your own thing. This isn't a hot dog or or, or a one-man show. But God has invited you in through Christ and through salvation to be a part of something. And for those of you who stood up here today, it's like you not only stepped into salvation, you not only entered into relationship with the body, but you said, hey, I'm going to take another step. I'm going to get in there and covenant with others in the body. Other weak humans who are frail, who are sinful, who are limited, and I'm going to covenant in that place with them and say, hey, I value you enough, and I understand and realize that in myself, not only do I need you, but I have something to bring to the table as well. And when those two marry, oh my, it is an amazing moment in the church. And that is what the Spirit just kisses, all right? That's what the Holy Spirit just touches because that unity, that level of harmony, just like it calls down heaven. It's like God just says, yeah, now I'm going to do something. I'm going I'm to put it out there because these people are covenanting with one another as the body. They are beginning to walk in this way of life, if you will, all right? And that's, that's really what he means when he says walk is to live. All right? That's the term that we would use in, in our vernacular is to say, okay, we need to live in a way that is worthy of the invitation that we have been given to become a member of the kingdom of God. That we can experience this adoption into God's family. That we, we have gained salvation and a hope of eternal life. And it's not just salvation, but it's living beyond salvation. It's living in the tree of life. It's living in the richness and the fullness that God has for each of us. And to whom much is given, much is required. And so all that he has given to us, his intent is to to give that as deposits, if you will. And honestly, I feel like sometimes it's like God, if we could just like picture it, it's like God is taking coals from the altar in heaven. And he's bringing those coals. And each one of those coals, he just drops it and he deposits it. And these are the, the, the gifts 
and the blessings and the anointings and the revelations of God that he's pouring into his church. And all the time, the Holy Spirit is over there just waiting for that drop. And as soon as the Father drops that, that coal uh, into our family, into our place uh, of, of relating together as a church, then the Holy Spirit just goes, there it is. And we're ignited for purpose. We're ignited with a, with a fire of the Spirit to do the things that God has given us to do. Things that we wouldn't do otherwise. Things that we wouldn't commit to otherwise. We are now committed because God, by His Spirit, is breathing on us something that is spectacular. And so Paul says, hey, this that has been given to you, use it wisely. Walk carefully with this, all right? Be, be one who, who has been not only invited into this high calling, all right, but walk worthy of that calling, all right? And, uh, and li live that way. So Paul really, honestly, I think, is pleading with us as Christians that we live according to what is right and good in a godly calling. What would it look like for you and I to walk worthy of the calling to which we are called? Um, if I tried, if I said I was going to just like parse all that out right now, it would be a year-long series. Like, I mean, we just, we just couldn't do it all. There's just so much in there. But I, I, I want Matthew 22, Mark 12, Luke 10, they all have a passage. And I, I want to just quote that passage to you because I think it sums it up from, from the Lord. All right. And it says this, you shall, you shall, you shall love the Lord your God with all, <laughs> all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, all. Love your God with all, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, the whole law, the law of the prophets depend on these two commandments. This is it, folks. That we love God and that we love one another. Now we're going to parse that out as we live life together as to how we love the body and how we love the brothers and the sisters and the kingdom of God and how we love the world and how we love the lost and how we respond to, to people outside the church and how we, we uh, look at and deal with the sin that is in the world and how we discipline as the body of Christ the sin that is in the church and in our own lives and those kinds of things. So we'll, we'll parse all of that out. But what I want you to understand is that we are called to love. He doesn't say love God and put up with people. He says, love God with everything and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he breaks that down in humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love and, and those kinds of things. And, and these, are, these are powerful, powerful pieces. We're not going to parse them all out today because we don't have the time to do that yet. But I think down the road here, we're going to look at some of this stuff more deeply, uh, especially as we look at discipleship and what it means to disciple one another, to make disciples uh, and to be discipled by others and, and committing to these deeper, uh, smaller, more intimate relationships. You're going to hear words like D groups and things like that. 
meaning a place where you, we would encourage you to find two or three other people who are people of peace to you. In other words, you feel welcomed and invited by them. They feel welcomed and invited by you. You kind of relate to each other well. You kind of click. It's a good vibe, whatever you want to call it, kind of a thing. I think it's a spiritual kind of thing that happens where it's a divine appointment where suddenly, uh, because sometimes God's going to say to you, hey, that's the guy. Hey, that's the gal, all right? And you're going to go, oh, no, it's not. That would not work. I cannot, no, that's not for me. And God's going to say, oh, yeah, well, see, it's not about you. It's about me, and that one's for you, and you're going to disciple that one, and they're going to disciple you, and it's going to be great, and I'm going to give you the strength to do that, the courage to to face it. I'm going to give you the patience to endure it. Uh, It's going to be wonderful, and it is. It is, because it's being spirit-led, all right? But, but we, are, we are called to, to, to bear with one another, to be patient with one another, to be, to be gentle, to walk in some, some amazing humility. And I think that's one of the places it has to start. You and I, we don't like to be challenged, to be lowly, you know. We don't like to take the one down position. We don't, we don't like to take low roading as our, our way or our path. You know, we want, to be, we want to be at the top. We want to be up there. You know, we want, we want it all to be going easy. We, we want to be preeminent. We want to have reputation. We want to, we want to have a place where we, we are feeling really good about ourselves. All right? We prize, as, as Americans, we prize assertiveness rather than humility. All right? We want to be out there. And everyone's telling you to do that. Go do it. Go get it. Go be it. You are the one. You are it. You rock. As Christians, what we rock is the rock, okay? We we live to be like Jesus. We emulate Christ. And the Bible says that he was existing in the form of God, but he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. That's not what he was going after. He wasn't trying to exalt himself at all. But what it says he actually did was he came to this world and emptied himself out, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. If I was in the likeness of God, if I was the son of God, and, and my job description says, now go down there and be like a man, I, that would be, from an earthly, human point of view, a really awful thing to have to do. And yet, Jesus emptied himself out, took on this form of a servant, became made in the likeness of men, And it says then, and being found in this human form. In other words, accepting it, embodying it. He says, I will be obedient. And so it says he humbled himself. Now this is the clicker for you and I. Okay, let me preface this. The scripture says you are to present your body a living sacrifice, and that is your reasonable act of worship. Just a reasonable, all right? That's ground zero to die to yourself and be a living sacrifice. Jesus emptied himself out, took on the form of a man, and there humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, a literal death. This is where we got to go. 
This is challenging, isn't it? This is, this is turn around. The world says, live, go get it, be it, do it. And Jesus says, no, die to yourself. Humble yourself, empty yourself out, be obedient even to your cross, your call to take up your cross and follow Christ. And so we're called to this level of obedience that you and I don't do well with. Even the best of us. There's some of you that it's just easier for you to be humble than it is for me. You just, like, you, you kind of flow with it. You kind of got it, you know? And I look at you and I'm like, God, what happened to me? <laughs> Why do I fight this? You know, why do I battle inside of me for this place of imminence? Or why can't I be like that one? Why can't I just, why, does it, why isn't it easy for me to be like Jesus? And some of us battle this immensely, this ability to, to humble ourselves. And whether you're, you're good on that side or not so good on that side, the reality is every relationship requires bearing with one another, enduring the situations, exercising the patience and the restraint that we need with one another. It's true in your, those of you who are married. It's true in your marriages. Those who are single, it's true in your, your relationships that you have with other singles and with married couples. I mean, it, there's no one that is exempt from this place of us having to work together it's true in the church, it's true in, in friendships, it's true in, in, in discipleship. As we grow closer to one another, it's going to require us to show this kind of love and this kind of mercy and this kind of compassion and this kind of restraint, this kind of gentleness, this kind of patience, this kind of humility, this kind of bearing with one another. Now, a cautionary note here for you, all right? I am not by any means suggesting that, that people bear with one another in every circumstance in life. Parents, you should not bear with unacceptable behavior by your children. Train them. Work with them. And where necessary, have life-giving forms of discipline that will help them. Those of you who are sitting here and you've been the victim of, of spousal or, or child abuse, um, if you're still in that, you need to escape that. You need to let us help you get away from that and, 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 and help you to, to uh, heal. When you're dealing with an alcoholic or a drug addict, bearing with one another often uh, becomes, if you're not careful, like a codependent or an enabling behavior. And so you've got to have a good, a good sense of how to navigate that kind of place with that kind of addictive behavior. None of us need enablers, all right? We need people in our lives who, who are able to confront us in a life-giving, loving kind of agape confrontation and, and challenge us to change so that we are constantly growing, that we're moving out of the places that we're in. See, we say it around here so often, but, but do we live it out in practical kinds of ways? God loves you, and he loves you too much to let you stay where you are even if you're in a pretty decent place. But God wants you and I growing and maturing. We're going to see that a little further in the passage here, okay? 
But even when we are, are dealing with an unacceptable behavior in ourselves or in someone else, we can act in this agape kind of love that says, I love God with all and I love my neighbor as myself. And that might involve some form of love that some people might interpret as not being so much love. Especially if we are setting standards and we're refusing to, to support uh, someone until they meet the, the biblical standard in some way. I remember my brother telling me I would come home and he was very addicted to drugs. And he would say, oh, you ought to give me some money. I know you got money. You got a lot of money. You make money. That's why you don't come around all us poor people. You're just making money out there in that, that Midwest somewhere. And folks, I was pastoring a church of like 24 at the time. Not even that, probably. I was telling someone earlier, there were more people standing up here today than we started the church with. All right? I wasn't making a whole lot of money. And the money I was making was pretty uncertain because it was all just monthly support that we had asked other people to give uh, and to give by faith, and we trusted them for that. There were no guarantees in that day. You know, I could have been... I could have been ornery and ugly. My parents, they were so distraught. And they were so frustrated. And it was hard for them to show love. And I said, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't have money, you know. But I would love to pray for you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk to you about this stuff that's going on in your life. And he got really angry. And he said, there you go. There you go. Trying to shove Jesus down my throat. That's the way you are, you know. When I ask you for money, what do you do? You give me religion. That's what you give me. You know, storms out the door and slams the door behind him. And my mom's sitting in the corner and she's, you know, having like a small seizure. And my dad just shakes his head and in his very passive and unique way just walks out in the backyard and just stands in the dark under the oak tree. Why do I tell you that story? I tell you that story to say to you that life will get messy. Life gets tough. And there are not always pat and secure and distinct answers for how we relate to one another and to others outside the body. But here's what we're going to do, folks. You and I are going to grow into this thing together. We're going to learn. We're going to learn as the Holy Spirit leads us and moves us in relationships. And you know where it starts? It starts in here, not out there. And you and I are going to learn how to love on one another and how to, how to bless one another, and how to confront one another, and how to discipline. Everybody hates that word, don't they? Discipline. I hate it. I hate it the most when you put church in front of it. Pastor Dave and I have been talking about church discipline a lot lately and trying to just figure out and sort out some things. And honestly, I mean, the other morning he came in and he goes, I've been thinking about this church discipline thing. I was thinking about it last night. This is what I did, literally. <laughs> okay, what are you thinking? <laughs> because it feels heavy. It feels hard. It feels difficult. It feels messy. And yet, it is one of the greatest acts of agape, of love, that we can participate in with one another as the body of Christ. So we're going to do it. 
I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there, all right? That's all we, I'm not going to do anything else with it right now, okay? Just putting it on the table, so to speak, all right? Uh, but we're going to talk about it, all right? And we're going we're gonna to work through what that looks like. Because you see, the next thing he says is you need to be eager. You need to, you need to be excited. You need to be aggressive about keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, Sometimes it's hard to experience peace if someone else is telling us what we need to do. <laughs> Even if they're right, you know. And, and yet God is calling us because, see, the Holy Spirit makes unity possible. This, this lowliness, a humility, patience, bearing with one another in love, all this that Paul urges in verse 2. It's possible with all of that, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I think it begins at verse 13, says, For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether bond or free, and we were all given to drink into one Spirit. There are many members, but one body. And look around. Excuse my southern moment here, but ain't nobody in this room looking like nobody else in this room. We're all different. We're not only different in our look and our demeanor. We're different in our personality, our style, our preferences, our opinions, our ways. We're all different, and yet we are the same. There is something about this relationship of becoming the body that the Holy Spirit makes possible. So other factors that would affect whether or not we were in a relationship don't matter in here because there's a supreme factor that, that overrides and moves above that, and those things become the secondary things here, and that is that we are in Christ. We belong to Him. We are a part of that body. And Paul, he talks about this diversity of members in the body of the church, mostly in, in 1 Corinthians. He likens this diversity of the church to our physical bodies, if you will, which we have hands and we have feet and we have ears and we have eyes and we have noses and all those kinds of things. We can imagine what life would be like if, if these body parts were at war with each other. It would be confusing at best, painful at worst. We, we can't find ourselves in those places where there are a few of us over here in this camp and there are a few of us over here in this camp and there's even some way over there and there's some back there and there's a few up there and we can't come together fully because we have all of these differences that we are majoring on that are really actually small in the bigger scheme of things and it defies understanding in the eyes of the world when we all say but we are one in Christ <laughs> Not if we are divided. 
Not if we cannot experience that level and that dimension of unity whereby we speak to the world. Our lives together, our love together, our relationship together actually speaks to the world of the love, the agape of the Father. We wouldn't be able to accomplish even the most small task of all. We wouldn't be able to walk a straight line, folks. We, we, we wouldn't be able to pick up a sandwich to eat it at supper club, or soup to eat it at supper club, all right? It would be a miserable existence if you and I could not live in harmony and peace and unity together. And yet the church at large is battling this problem extensively. Folks, we're not going to battle it in here. We're not going to do that. We're not going to let each other do that. There's no love in that. We are going to be committed. We are going to be determined in our spirit. We are going to take the urging of the Lord by the power of the Spirit, and we are going to live these characteristics that will allow us to, to have unity in the spirit of peace together. Because I'm going to tell you what, in the church, disunity equates to dysfunction. And dysfunction tells the world we don't have anything they need. And I just told you at the beginning of the service today that everything you need is in Christ alone. Everything that, that you need is there for you in Jesus Christ. He, he goes on with this. Uh, in, in verse 4, he says, There's one body, one spirit, even as you also are, are, are called into to one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. One, 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 one. These verses just, they, they, they just continue to emphasize this. And that is the key word, I think, for these verses. It, if you were reading these verses aloud your, yourself, where would you place the emphasis here? A lot of us would say, uh, one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And that's how a lot of us read it and have read it all of our lives. But I think this verse calls for a really different approach, and it's this, one body. One spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. One that we all come together in. And there we live out of that oneness in the midst of our diversities, our uniquenesses, our cultures, and all kinds of things. We bring them to the table and we celebrate together this oneness that we have in God the Father who is the Father of all, over all, through all, in us all. And that's the key to our unity. If we find that place and we land there, because as believers we might see things very differently, but we have one godly Father whom we worship, who directs our lives, who has lavished His love on us, that we may be called the children, sons and daughters, of God. Amen? Amen. I'm going to call you to that unity. And I want to pray for you before we're done here. Our time is up. Okay? 
And we're going to continue this next Sunday, and we're going to talk a lot more about the, the body of Christ. And I'm going to talk a little bit about church discipline as well. All right? Let me pray for you. Let's stand. Our prayer team is going to come to the front, and they'll be standing up here. You heard that message at the beginning of the service, and if you don't know this Jesus who came to earth, took on the form of a, a man, emptied himself out and humbled himself even as unto death, then this man is available for you today, and he desires to introduce himself through the love of the Father. And I would invite you to come and be prayed for and let someone lead you into that path. If you have other needs, if this whole thing of unity is just driving you, you, you internally into angst right now, come and be prayed for. If some of these passages spoke to you today and, and, and like uncovered something, if I scared you with words like discipline, come and be prayed for. Don't leave here in anxiety. Don't leave here in confusion. Don't leave here in some kind of internal angst. The spirit of peace is upon us and can be in us and, and work through us, okay? Let me pray for you. Father, we do love you today. We're so grateful, so thankful for your word, your truth that empowers us, that, that changes us, transforms us, that confronts us, that speaks to us the love and the peace of God. We thank you for our identity that we can have in Christ Jesus today, in Christ alone. We thank you for the spiritual formation that happens in our lives as we give ourselves to this walk that you've called us to with one another. We thank you for the unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace today and all that you have for us in all of that. We pray today, Father, that you will empower us, God, to be a church filled with the Spirit of God, unified in purpose and plan, that we will walk in truth, we will live in light, and we will carry that torch wherever we go in agape love. Father, help us that we can love you with our all and that we can love our neighbor as ourself. Do a great work in us this week, Lord. Change us. Transform us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I love being your pastor. Pastor Dave loves being your pastors. Okay, we will see you on Sunday, if not before. All right, bless you.